I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. Joined, as always, by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. Doing well. Coming off, still having my uh, my eyebrows scorched off from our AFC South show. And uh, getting ready to get into the West. Looking hot, forward to it. Hot takes. We're going to try and wrap up the AFC here. <laughs> That's right. most, yeah, in our normal meandering fashion. That's right. So uh, all advice, of course, rankings and data based on a typical 12-team PPR league, for those of you that may be new to what we're doing here. Ten starters, which of course would be a QB, two running backs, three wideouts, tight end, and a flex with a defense and a kicker and six bench spots. The expert consensus comes from our guys at Fantasy Pros and the ADP from fantasyfootballcalculator.com. It is the AFC West, as you mentioned, Neil, and we are kicking it off in your neck of the woods. The Denver Broncos coming into year two of the Vic Fangio experience. Get them, Fangs. That's right. Uh, One of those unique stats that I love to find, Neil, that I have found this offseason, it felt like it was a disappointing first year for head coach Vic Fangio and his Broncos defense. He came in with all the clout from the Bears and his San Francisco years that this was going to dominate and be a top five defense. And they were everybody's sleeper defense pick. And they didn't really dominate the way that everybody kind of projected in the preseason. However, did you know that the Broncos were one of just three teams in half-point PPR to not allow any fantasy position to finish higher than 20th against them. Wow. See, well, my whole take on that has been that they've been better than people want to give them credit for, but also it's because the hype train got a little bit off the rails. But also, remember back to last year, there were two things that I think people are kind of forgetting. One is that Bradley Chubb, the other Chubb, uh, got injured very early for the Broncos yes, last year. When most he of went the year. out, when he went out, that defense was not the same after that because they were on a, on a pretty good clip when you had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the field at the same time because why wouldn't you be? You got you got a you got a borderline Hall of Famer in Von Miller and somebody that people are, are already projecting to be the next Von Miller on the same team right now. So it's it's pretty impressive. And then the other one too was the beginning of the season. Uh, former Bear, now Bronco, uh, Bryce Callahan never actually saw the field for the Broncos last year. They were, you know, hoping that he'd be able to come in and kind of, you know, help out that secondary. And he never was able to get over the foot injury that sidelined him the end of the year prior. And he missed all of last season. Reports are for this year, he's fully healthy. And I think that informs the a little bit of not all of it because it's a much deeper topic, but I think it invo- that informs some of the Chris Harris decision. I think they yeah. firmly believe that that Bryce Callahan will be back, and we saw what he did for the Bears before he got that foot injury uh, under Vangio. I mean, he was an amazing slot corner, and for what it's worth, because this is you know it's a fantasy football show, but also a football right. show, significantly less expensive than, than Chris Harris. Yeah. 
And I think and that's I think to that's the, part of it. To the point, they were 25th uh, in points for quarterbacks against them. Running backs were 23rd. Wide receivers, 20th. Tight ends, 23rd. The other two teams, because I mentioned they were one of three, were San Francisco and New England. So good Heard company to be in. Heard of them. You if, know, uh, playoff teams. You're them. Pretty good so, and a shout out to fantasy pros because they are the ones with that statistic. So shout out to them. Uh, as you mentioned, they lost Chris Harris through free agency. They replaced him, however, in a trade with the everything must go Jacksonville Jaguars acquiring AJ Boye. They also were able to make a trade for Jarrell Casey from Tennessee. We mentioned that Bradley Chubb coming back from injury and Michael Hoamida is now the third round pick joining that secondary. Uh, so a new look secondary trying to get better in year two. And remember the year one of the Bears Fangio defense, not so good. Did not look great. <laughs> and then when they dominated teams en route to what should have been a victory in the playoffs. Not bitter at all. Not at all. Uh <laughs> then they were uh, they were looking pretty solid in that second year of the Fangio defense, which is what landed him this job in Denver to begin with. So year two step, perhaps. On the offensive side of the ball, it was perhaps John Elway's greatest offseason ever. He looks and, so happy on, his, mean, on the Zoom draft. He looks uh, so outside happy. Outside of acquiring Peyton Manning, right? This is probably his best offseason ever. He helped uh, out. He was part of the Von Miller draft pick. So I'd say that might. The problem with that yeah, is that he was. What he else was did they do it, that offseason, though? Not much, but it was also his first year on the job. So it's yeah. a little hard. It's a little hard to give him a lot of credit for that. But technically speaking, he was the guy who drafted Von Miller. But I'd agree fair with enough, fair enough. Aside from acquiring Peyton Manning, that's really it. It's Peyton and Von, and the rest of it is kind of meh. Yeah. Bad. So they got second-year quarterback Drew Locke, who people are expecting a lot from. They grabbed wide receivers Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, as well as in the draft, as well as signing free agent running back Melvin Gordon uh, from former. Ooh. Division foe over there, Melvin Gordon, now in the backfield. So what a story. let's go right into it. Drew Locke, we just mentioned he's got the new weapons. He also has Noah Fant returning for year two. He's got Cortland Sutton, your guy, Cortland Love Sutton, Portland. who is uh, coming into year three in the NFL. So, I mean, a lot of weapons for Drew Locke. Expert consensus is QB 23. Our website is 24. I've got him 21. You've got him 25. ADP is 20. Yes. And I think people are, uh, this is one of those ones where groupthink, I think, is getting the better of people. It's just a situation where we have Drew Locke projected for slightly regressing from well, the pace he was on last year. But I know that's the fair. projection. It's that the, the problem is the hype machine, as we've seen with some of these guys every year, and also we've covered as we've gone through the AFC, the hype machine gets gets going and it starts pushing guys up to a certain point. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about getting going there at 20, but at the same time, am I really, we're, we're talking about QB 20 to 25 range. Am I really going to sit here and waste everyone's well, time complaining? That's about what I was going to say like, too. So his standard deviation right. in ADP is 11.7. It's one full round. But when we're talking about QB 20 in a redraft, we're talking about the seventh pick of the 13th round. Yeah. You're talking about dart throws either way. So it's, so, it, it, yeah. it's not really worth If you're doing it right, the 15th pick is your defense, 16th is a kicker. So you're talking about your second to last actual pick 
in the draft, you're throwing a dart at Drew Locke on your tight or your QB two. I'm fine with that. So am I. Nobody's going to argue that. Like that's that's about right for where he should be going. It's just when you see twenty, it's it's a little it's a little rich, but it but it is one of those things where you're talking about the thirteenth the thirteenth round. So I think there's I think that'll be that'll be very interesting, and uh, I I absolutely would recommend if somebody wants to grab him with your second to last pick, go for it. A lot of upside. Yeah, if you're looking at overall, I mean, uh, in terms of overall, I've got him at one fifty three overall expert consensus is 158 your lowest at 172 about 20 picks behind me but that's again you're all in that same dart throw territory neighborhood so i think the upside is certainly there can he take that second year step can that offense improve he had at this point my whole thing the whole offseason has been there's no more excuses correct but last year it was the you know it's year one of Fant and he was hurt and there was Cortland Sutton and nobody and he had to adjust. You've had a whole off. It's been a weird off season, but a whole off season to learn and adjust to the playbook. You had five starts last year. They added all these weapons for you. The defense has gotten better and should be bailing you out. There should be no more excuses for Drew Locke in year two. That's correct. This if he can't get it done with this supporting cast, it's going to become much more difficult to try and, you know, have this optimism around him. And also I think if they have a very, if they have another, yet another subpar offensive season, especially, uh, I hate to say it, but Vangio might be finding his way out in Denver. If he, if they can't make it work and win some meaningful games with this revamp defense, they've given him everything he wants and the front office went out and got you all these new offensive toys. If if they can't figure it out from here, I think that's the two things, the two next dominoes to fall will be we're going to look for another quarterback, probably another veteran in the draft or another, excuse me, another veteran free agency like they love to do here and probably looking for a new head coach yet again. So big season for the Broncos here. Uh, but if they can't, the expectations are getting cranked up as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. You were the chosen one. Uh, moving on to running back, they bring in Melvin Gordon. As mentioned, Philip Lindsay had a stinker of a season last year, and yet he, he still got over a thousand yards. <laughs> yes, but didn't look good doing it. No, he Boy, did, did not. Boy, did he look bad doing no, it? No, he did not look good doing it. Uh, Royce Freeman also still hanging around. Look worse than uh, Le- Philip Lindsay Le- by Levante every quantifiable metric. But uh, to your point, as we've talked about several times, I don't know if there's a ton to talk about with Melvin Gordon. Uh, Running back 17 in the expert consensus, 19 on our site. I've got him running back 24. You've got him running back 17 right there with expert consensus. Mm -hmm. He's going running back 20, so it seems like you'll own a bunch of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and it's the only real difference here for me is it feeds into why I have Drew Locke at 25. I, I think they're going to be more successful running the ball. ECR for Drew Locke, just to touch on it, was 23. So I'm a little bit closer there. I just think that they're going to be more successful running the ball than, than a lot of people do. And I think that people are getting this wrong when they say, oh, it's going to be this thunder and lightning with Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And, you know, Lindsay's or the other, my, my other favorite, Philip Lindsay is going to be the new third down back. What a great job. Yeah, right He's so yeah good I was going to get passes. into that. That is specious reasoning. Do some math, folks. Philip Lindsay has caught 35 passes his first year in the league, 35 passes in his second year in the league. He's also broken his wrist twice. Catching the ball is not Philip Lindsay's jam. 
That is not what he is there to do. He is there to be the change of pace back at this point. That, by the way, they don't have to pay very much. And I think you're going to see a lot more Melvin Gordon as a true three down back, like you like you're used to, than you will uh, see Philip Lindsay. I think Philip Lindsay is going to get a couple series, but then on third down, Melvin Gordon's going to come in because this is the other thing that I've been you know identifying in people. You know, people think Melvin Gordon's not that great at catching the football. Like a lot of people think that. That's wrong. Melvin Gordon is perfectly serviceable catching the football, folks. Like he's, yeah, he's he's pretty much average, and he which is better than Philip Lindsay. So that's that's what I think is a large part of this. You know, also the very paint by numbers, we're going to stick it to the Chargers type of thing. And I think Melvin Gordon was well more than and that down was the for thing that. we talked about a lot last season is when you just look at the two of them and compare them. Just look, like I said, looking at them and on paper, you're like, oh well, Royce Freeman is the between the tackles bruiser the goal line back and Philip Lindsay is clearly the scat back. He's the three, yes. he's the third down pass catcher. Right. And it was the exact opposite. Correct. Royce Freeman was the guy coming in on third down as the pass catcher in the trailing situations where Philip Lindsay was the quote unquote bruiser who was getting it between the tackles <laughs> and at the goal line. All five. Um, so that's what we've been talking about all, all this off season, basically, since they acquired Melvin Gordon is what, what is Philip Lindsay's role? Because honestly, I don't know if Royce Freeman's role even changes that much. I mean, he obviously isn't going to get as many opportunities. So, but, I but his tell- role on the team was only as a pass catching back. Does that Correct. change at all? No. No. In fact, I think he just doesn't get as many is, opportunities. No, he becomes the new Devontae Booker. For folks who remember Devontae Booker from the Broncos, who literally at one point was only on the team to catch, pa- catch passes and was so bad, they tried to replace him with Theo Reddick, and it went, that went so badly they had to keep him on. That whole saga from about a year ago, that's what this is now. Royce Freeman is the new Devontae Booker. He's only coming on the field and obvious passing downs. So if you want a guy who's going to catch maybe one pass a game, every game for the season, have at it, because you can have Royce Freeman for nothing. As far as I'm concerned, he's only here until something goes ping and they can get rid of him. Like he's not going to have a meaningful role. And Philip Lindsay is only here to be the change of pace guy. He's going to get some series and he's going to be on the field on first and second down when he does it. And then on third down, here comes Melvin Gordon trotting in and Twitter is going to be all furious for the first couple weeks of the season when people are starting to catch up to us and realizing this, but that's how this is going to deploy. The only thing that I can't ideate is, is Levante Bellamy the next Philip Lindsay. And I was the one who predicted Philip Lindsay to begin with. And here's what I can tell you. If there's anybody who fits the mold to come in and upset this whole apple cart again, and I'll give you the same take I did on Philip Lindsay when he came into the league, his rookie year as a undrafted free agent. Watch this guy, and it's a shame that we're not going to get preseason. But you've got to know who Levante Bellamy is. He profiles to be functionally identical to Philip Lindsay. This is the last year of Philip Lindsay's deal. He's not going to get another contract with the Broncos. They've already pretty much told you that through their actions. That's not how the Broncos do running back anyway. They typically don't keep these guys that they pick up off the scrap heap and then kind of bring in and make something. That's how they make their hay. They're very, very good at finding things that are that other people don't want, bolting it into their system, and then making a ton of hay off it. And then if they can, shipping it somewhere else for another draft pick. In this case, that could happen. I could see a scenario where Philip Lindsay gets traded. That could happen here. I, I can't. You can't count on that because we don't know enough about Levante Bellamy yet. But it's the same argument. Just know who right. that guy is. Know who that guy is, and keep that name in the back of your head. And don't be shocked if all of a sudden 
that you start seeing Levante Bellamy taking meaningful snaps for the Broncos if he catches fire, just like Philip Lindsay did. Same exact argument. Yeah, I think what we've learned here is don't draft Philip Lindsay. Yes. I think that has been the takeaway. Feel free to get Melvin Gordon. And then to be honest with you... Because again, my argument would be I'm lower on Melvin Gordon than anybody else just because there's other guys in that range I'd rather have. But uh, again, when you're taking a backup, a change of pace guy like Philip Lindsay, the whole argument for doing it in those mid to late rounds is, oh, well, if Gordon goes ping, then all of a sudden I've got the guy. And that's not the case. We saw last year that that wasn't the case, that Philip Lindsay was a, a high-end 30s to maybe back-end 20s running back. He was a flex at best when it was just him and Royce Freeman sharing the job. So Melvin Gordon only has value because he has basically 80% of the job to himself right now, whereas even if Gordon were to get hurt, Lindsay and Freeman would sh- share so many of the touches that Neither one of them would be worth it. So let somebody else waste a mid-round pick on Philip Lindsay. It ain't going to be me. Exactly. And just, I'd rather at this point get Levante Bellamy off my waiver wire, off the scrap heap, and hope that that turns into something rather than invest a mid-round pick on Philip Lindsay where there's no return on investment. Yeah, and that would be an interesting one too. Um, it, uh, to your point, if he were to, if something were to happen to Melvin Gordon, I think the immediate knee-jerk reaction would be, I need to have Lindsay, I need to have Freeman, whereas our advice would be, no, hit your waiver wire and put in the money on Bellamy because... For a dollar. That, it'll it'll that's cost me where, a dollar in auction format. No one's yeah. going to contest you. No one even knows who you're gonna find the Bellamy value. is. No one even knows who that is, and I'm telling you, he profiles the same as Philip Lindsay. It's scary how close he is. Let's move on to wide receiver Cortland Sutton. Wide receiver 20 in the expert consensus. Why do they hate Cortland Sutton so much? I don't, they don't understand. Watch, they, don't, the they don't watch football. They don't watch that's, film. That's, that's been my... That's you know who doesn't watch film? The public. The public <laughs> doesn't watch film at all. Because hey. our site has him at wide receiver 16. I have him 15, as do you, samesies. Wide receiver 25 in ADP going at the end of the fifth round. Neil, the people hate Cortland Sutton. Tell them why and they're for, wrong. For very selfish reasons, I love to see it. I absolutely love to see it because it means I will own Cortland Sutton in every league and I will take this all the way to the bank, my friend. There is no contest here. Cortland Sutton is going into his third year. He will be the wide receiver one for the Denver Broncos. And even when they have struggled, boy, remember when Joe Flacco was the quarterback of this team? Remember that? Right. Remember, remember how all the other quarterbacks Cortland Sutton's ever played with are worse than Drew Locke? Remember all that? Case yeah, Keenum. That's Case Keenum. Case Keenum, who couldn't even throw the ball to Demarius Thomas, who was running at half speed, like th- all of that. So the biggest thing here is it's Cortland Sutton has, has to many people, quietly, he took that second year leap last year, gets over a thousand yards, but it's also the physicality that Cortland Sutton plays with. There, when you listen to the corners talk, talk to the media and things like that, no one wants to play against Cortland Sutton because he's huge. And I hate to be you know so superficial about it, but just look at it. Size, wingspan, he profiles as a wide receiver one. He's figured out the route running, and now he's going to play with the best quarterback in the best offensive system he's had in his third year when he's kind of rounding into form. So no, Cortland Sutton to the moon. Cortland Sutton top 15, and we actually backed it off, the as we usually do. We backed it off the pace he was on last year in our projection, and when you smooth it, he still winds up as wide receiver 15. And for anybody who got out a year too early, I'm sorry. 
And I know he had a couple struggles, but there's no chance that Cortland Sutton should be going at 25. If you can get him at 25, the return on investment for you is going to be 10 full wide receiver spots, my friends. That's that's what that that's what that's telling us right here. There's I didn't even get to the part about all the one-handed catches. Right. I yeah, didn't even he, get to using uh, the projections. Oh, the he came in by the way at wide receiver 14, and we you know we cautiously put him at off. wide receiver 15. Still worked out. Yeah, and so the people are sleeping on it, and I think it's because they don't fully have. I don't think they watch Bronco games, and I can understand that. Yeah, why would that look yeah. like? Why would you? But at the same time, don't sleep on Cortland Sutton. That he has a real chance to be a true wide receiver one. The upside for Cortland is top ten. So to get him at twenty five, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that all to the bank every single time. Give me all the Cortland Sutton shares, and I think the next guy also is part of the reason as to what's going on here. I think yeah, this next cutting name into him is, a little bit. It's cutting into him, and I think let's talk about so let's talk about Jerry Judy. Let's talk about Jerry Judy, Steve. Yeah, Jerry Judy. Uh, again, we talked about it. We had uh we had the live viewing slash listening party, whatever you want to call it, with everybody here on the site. Uh for the draft and then just the the face of pure elation when they just let Jerry Judy and everybody just fall down to to John Elway and he's just fist pumping and hands in the air spinning in his chair. Ah, oh, I've never seen man. him that happy. That was he, so amazing. Even when he won the Super Bowl, he wasn't three, that happy. Three oh. Super Bowls. Three Super Bowls. Oh, Technically, when he was a player, there was two of them, and I still have never seen him that happy as when he got Judy. Oh, yeah, that was so great. But yes, Jerry Judy falls to the Broncos in the first round. Big-bodied guy, plays the outside. He's going to have a role, no doubt about it. Sorry, Deshaun Hamilton. They also got yeah. KJ Hamler uh, next day. So Hamler moves into the slot. We mentioned Fant is coming back, uh, who we'll get into as well. But, you know, people's argument for Cortland Sutton being down that low is, well, there's too many mouths to feed now. Is they're not going to spread the ball around enough? And I would disagree with that because the problem with Cortland Sutton for me before was the fact that he was getting the wide receiver one coverage and the safety help over the top. On every that he play. was just getting... Again, it was a situation we talked about last week with the uh, Texans where the game plan on defense was always just, oh, we'll just put three guys on nuke and let literally anybody else beat us. That was the plan for the Broncos, and boy, did it work. Oh, yeah. It it worked a lot. Like Sutton was good enough to still put up decent numbers and have a good year, but now you have other guys that you have to pay attention to. You have Hamler in the slot. You have Fant moving into his second year. You have Jerry Judy now on the other side. You have other options that if you're going to say, okay, beat me with anybody but Cortland Sutton, fine, I will. And when he starts throwing to the rookie and, and when he starts throwing to Hamler and when he starts throwing to Fant, he starts spreading that ball around, they're going to take the shadow coverage off of Cortland Sutton and open him up to have an even bigger season. Will he have maybe a slow start? It's possible. Yes. I could buy into that. I could totally see that. And Corlin Sutton could be a guy, arguably, we're talking about in week three or four as a, this is a buy low that you have to go get because there's no way this pace keeps up for Cortland Sutton. I could totally see that happening, but I'd rather be in on it on the ground floor, especially if you're telling me I can have him at the end of the fifth round. Yeah, and you're giving me 10 wide receiver spots of value in the draft. I don't even have to wait until his value gets depressed because of a couple slow starts. I don't even have to play this game with you. I can just go ahead and invest now. And I think the other thing with Judy that we didn't mention is 
you know, the NFL does certain things really, really well. And one of the things that they do well is hyping up these young guys. And we've all seen it. The video that's been going around the internet of Jerry Judy just running routes and everybody and their mama, especially the local sports media out here is just elated about the footwork, the footwork of Jerry Judy and all these different things that, you know, he can do for you. And they're not wrong about any of it. It's why they drafted him where they did. It's just, I think that pushes Sutton down a little because they're saying, look at how talented this guy is. Judy is going to come in and be the wide receiver one. Fortunately, we're not there with the ADP, which we'll get into in a moment, because that would have been a grievous error that you can't do. Well, it's interesting, too, to talk about Judy. This brings up another great point um, in terms of, you know, draft strategy, like we'll get about in the uh, the, the other draft podcast we're going to do. But Cortland Sutton, you and I have him ranked 35. He's currently going at pick 12 right at the end of the fifth round. If you have the 12th pick in your draft, right? That is 12 and 13, so the first pick of the second round. You then have the last pick of the third round and the first pick of the fourth round. So the last pick of the third round is pick 36, which is right where we've got him ranked. And the first pick of the fourth round is pick 37. And then you're not on the clock again until 5-12 when Cortland Sutton's ADP hits. And we are both telling you with our ranking that if you're the guy in that number 12 spot and you want to take Cortland Sutton in the fourth round with the first pick of the fourth round, that's not a reach. You're right on. No, you're right on. Yeah, you're right on, Scott. Because trains are running on time. If you want to wait it out like, oh, his ADP is so low, maybe I can still get him with my next pick. Maybe. But if I would rather just take him in that fourth round number one spot rather than risk him not being there. I I'm that in on it with you that I'd rather have it to your point on Judy. He'd be your wide receiver two or something like that at that point or three, depending on how the board falls to you. So we both think that he'll return that investment. And I love life. I love my life. If that's the life that I'm trying to live with my team that I'm putting together. But to your point on Judy, he's 48 uh, wide receiver, 48 in expert consensus, 46 on our site. I have him 47, you have him 48. We're literally all right in line. He's wide receiver 42 in the ADP. So shiny new toy a little bit. But again, you're talking ninth round as opposed to we have him right around like the 10th. So reaching around to get a guy that you want, but I I don't hate it. It's not terrible. The one I'm interested in is Hamler that I don't think a lot of people talk about. He's going wide receiver 41 in expert consensus, 85 on our site. I have him 84, you have him 86. Again, I think there's value there. He's basically undraftable in right. our rankings, but he's someone to certainly keep an eye on. And if more targets were to open up, then for sure somebody will be talking about in the waiver wire. I don't think that, either of the other wide receivers are mentionable, do you? No, and I don't even know that they're going to be around. You know, per se, they'll they'll Man, be I was so high on Tim but... Patrick at the end of last season. Ugh. I know, and that's a shed. And then they lost River Craycraft. If you want to go way down the depth chart too, so he's gone. But Hamler is the one that I think is the most interesting as a flyer or a, an early yeah, absolutely type of deal. His closing speed is insane. And if you're telling me he's going to get like a nickel corner or a linebacker, there's no linebacker that can match him step for step. And he's got a little bit of wiggle. So he, he profiles to be a very potent slot receiver, which, frankly, the Broncos just haven't had. Like, you could argue the Deshaun Hamilton flash from two years ago, which is why he's still on the team. But what have you done for me lately? 
And I think if Hamler, once he gets on the field, he's too potent of a weapon to, to, to not have him be involved. So Hamler is the one that I think is very interesting just in the background. It's kind of like the Levante Bellamy advice. Don't need to draft it. Absolutely a name I have on my radar to watch yeah. because he's going to be have he's going to return some value for you, especially when you're telling me it's basically. Noah Fant is the tight end to note here. He's a guy that was very high at everybody's list. You know, the, the way too early lists we talked about in December and January. Uh, but on the expert consensus, he comes in at tight end 14, 12 on our site, 12 for me, 11 for you and 12 in the ADP. We're all right, right there in the ballpark. Uh, 10th round ADP, 8th for standard deviation of just over a round in the ADP. So you're talking about going anywhere from high 9th to late uh, 11th, basically. So it's it's interesting. Um, I, fan, I a guy that has yeah. upside, but I think it depends on your philosophy, right? He's an interesting guy right. if you wait. If you're waiting on tight end, if you don't get the top three and you're punting, he's one that could certainly finish up there with the potential to be a top 10 guy without costing you a lot to do it. Correct. And you could end up in a weird situation where given what we talked about last week with John o. Smith, you could actually end up in a scenario where given where John o. Smith was actually going in ADP. If you had to, if you missed on all the early tight ends and you want to get a stack going and you want to get two good ones to kind of like figure it out, I really can't argue with too hard against, you know, do Fant, get Fant and John o. Smith. And one of them is going to hit. But my philosophy is yeah, we, know we know which one you got to get that John U. Smith jersey. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's what I would say. <laughs> Don't overpay for either one. But those are both guys that you absolutely want to have in, the, in your back pocket for this strategy in terms of I'm going to wait and I'm going to get two kind of middle of the round guys that could middle of the road guys, I should say, that could pop. And I love those two names. If that's how you, if you were able to get them both, I think you'd be sitting pretty at tight end. And then defense, we talked about the additions. Um, expert consensus, defense 11. Uh, our site has them defense 10. I have them 10, or yes. 10, I, I have, I have them, them 9. 10, you have them 9. 14 in the ADP. 14, yeah, yeah they, they, again, you never want to reach on a defense, but boy, it happens every year. I, I bring up that stat we have every season that over the last decade, no tight end or no defense that finished as number one the previous year finishes in the top 10 the following year in fantasy points. It just doesn't happen. The schedule changes, players change. It's too unpredictable. And over the last decade, every tight or every defense, I keep trying to say tight end, every defense uh, that has finished number one overall comes from outside of the top seven in ADP. It happened again last year with the Patriots. So. And here we are. You've got the the Broncos getting Chubb back. They made the addition of Boye. They made the additions in the draft. They got Jarrell Casey in the trade. And they're going ADP defense 14. So, I mean, they're a candidate for sure. If they fall to me in the draft as I take them in the 15th round, as you should, I love it. But do not overpay for it. But they are, yep. they are a candidate for a bounce back type of deal. Because, you know, before... Before the slump, you know, that they've kind of gone through recently, I mean, they were pretty much a perennial top 10 type of defense for a while. They were never number one, but they were always in that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 kind of range. And I think that's 
likely where they're going to get back to, especially with Chubb coming back, as you mentioned. That's going to be a huge difference yep. for them. If he can stay healthy all year, it's going to be suffocating what they're going to try and do. Well, if there's any reason to have skepticism against uh, relying on the Broncos' defense, it's because they have to play two games a year against the defending champions, and we'll get into that in a second. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Now, when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You wanna show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE, that's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, Neil, we're on to the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champions, which is just very weird to say. I don't, I don't think I like it very much. Well, uh, I'm not I, bitter. I'll tell you. Yeah, 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 no, not at all. I didn't blow a 24-point lead. You blew a 24-point lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I would say, Steve. There's every chance that this team is going to get right back to where they were. And uh, I kind of hope that doesn't happen for very selfish reasons. But uh, <laughs> but let me tell you, I've kind of just gotten used to the idea that, you know what, this is the world right now. And the Chiefs being good is just something we're all just going to have to get used to because it's not going anywhere, I don't think, this year or next year unless something catastrophic happens. All right, so the Chiefs, they shuffled some pieces in the offseason on defense. They lost a few guys. They added a few guys. Yeah, I mean, they, they are still who they are. I'm not really impressed by the defense. Still not going to be great. Business as usual. Uh, they lost LaShawn McCoy and Spencer Ware. However, they did draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the hype train is out of control. Everything else basically stayed the same on offense. They gave some QB a lot of money. Um, so let's go Patrick Mahomes. He is the QB1, an expert consensus QB1 in ADP. Why does the public love being wrong, Neil? <laughs> well, they don't think Lamar is repeatable. And they're, they're, they so they watch that Super Bowl. And they're like, yeah. oh, Patrick Mahomes, greatest yeah, quarterback I mean, We have him two on the site, two between you and me. It's not like we hate him. It's just... Again, it is what it is. I would rather have Lamar. I'd rather have the rushing upside 
than what Pat Mahomes has given me. Yeah, and I'll just Again, point out, best I'd rather pure have passer Lamar. in the game just doesn't matter to me. I'd agree with all of that. I'd rather have Lamar. It's just that here's the deal. It's the biggest thing that I take away from any of the notes that we look at for any of these high level quarterbacks, and it's the same thing every year. The biggest difference is the you know the ECR. The, the expert consensus would tell you that he should go at about 25 as QB as QB one, and I'm saying no, he should go at like 38 as QB two. And, and that's, and that's more kind of the philosophy that we've always used is, you know, I'm not really trying to overpay for any kind of quarterback, given that there's at this point, 21 guys that are, that are all, I don't want to say the same, because that's not true, but there's value to be had greater value, the further down you go. And I, we all acknowledge Mahomes is great. He, we've said it before on the show. He's the best pure passer in the NFL right now. I'm not arguing this with anybody. I totally get it. I just think that yeah, for sure. It's just I'd rather have the rushing floor with yeah. Lamar. Then I'd rather win. And we saw last year that when he was dealing with the injury, Mahomes just wasn't the same reliable player. Yep. So that's that's yep. a little bit 100%. scary. Hundred percent. But there is a little bit of again. It, there's not a lot to discuss fantasy wise on Mahomes. So moving on, uh, we've got Clyde Edwards-Helaire. This is the hot button issue. So he is, of course, the shiny new toy. Everybody all about it. Expert consensus already. Running back fourteen. Neil, I feel like this is now. this is Kareem Hunt part due, yes, return of the hunt. I don't understand what is going on here. Expert consensus 14, 18 for our site. I've got him 22. You've got him running back 25. He's running back 25, 14 in the ADP. Four freaking teen, Neil. Yeah, First pick people- of the second round. They're, they're losing their minds, and it's the shiny new toy coupled with it's so many interesting, like, weird factors. Shiny new toy meets Andy Reid offense, meets Super Bowl champion, meets Mahomes throwing him the ball, meets coming off a national championship team in college. It, all of these factors are seemingly working together to make people just forget how to do math. And I want to take you back to a simpler time, Steve, before the pandemic and before all the all the things that have been going on. Remember, remember back to like January or December or even March before the draft. Right. Damian Williams is so good at football. Oh my God. Look, Damian Williams is going to be, is going to be this huge, you know, hey, boon hey, for everyone. Put, put some respect on his name. Rightful Super Bowl MVP, Damian Williams. <laughs> fair, fair. There you go. Fair. But then that's my point. Damian Williams now Nobody cares. Damian Williams now, like it doesn't matter. He's he's down in the thirties. Everybody is just completely told is just completely telling you, Damian Williams. Ah, this, bah, this is the part the, that the makes analysis. no sense. Ah. So, <laughs> the part that is mind-boggling here. So we have Edwards Hilaire significantly lower, right? Then our whole argument is, well, Damian Williams isn't dead, so he's going to cut into that role. And remember. Our whole thing before the draft was, where are they, they getting these crazy Damian Williams numbers? And, oh, that's what it is. They're taking everything Damian Williams did and everything LaShawn McCoy did and combining them into one guy as the huge primary workhorse. And that's how they were getting to Damian Williams at running back 22. So now we're saying, oh, well, Damian Williams still has a job. I have him 39 you have him running back 47. He's 43 on our site. So we are, so by that, by our own logic, right, we have to be significantly higher than everyone else on Damian Williams, right? 
We have to right. be. Nope. Have to Expert be. consensus yeah. is 35 and ADP go. is 30. The public and expert consensus somehow believes that not only is Edwards Hilaire a top 15 back, but this offense is going to run so much and have so much efficiency out of the backfield that it'll sustain two top 30 backs. It doesn't make any sense. Even when you layer on that they like to throw to the backs. And then you keep in mind that the other reason why my... Some folks might push back on my ranking and be like, well, how could you just say what you said and then put him in 47? Because I have DeAndre Washington, who we'll get to, and Darwin Thompson also ranked, guys. But here's the, the frustrating thing. So does the ECR. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how, like, you're going to inflate these guys' numbers by so much on a team that still has Tyreek Hill for as bad as well as for, for overvalued as we think that is, too. And Travis Kelsey still exists. I'm not understanding how they're going to get more efficient than they were last year when they were already at the top end of efficiency. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So the only argument I've heard that makes any sense is this idea that you're kind of just banking on the idea that Damian, Damian Williams is going to get hurt, which is why you have CEH. As, and he's just, you know, CEH is a better player. And it's like, okay, fine. But then how does Damian Williams end up at 35, guys? That doesn't make any sense. That's no math you can justify with this. You're just drafting Chiefs players off name. And the groupthink has gotten so extreme on this topic that it is now devoid of any value that you might have been able to have. Yeah, so to at your this point, point, I'm out of here. The math like, that we talked about, the projections, right? Last year, the Chiefs, who remember, ran the ball more because Mahomes was hurt and missed three games. So they ran the ball more than they usually do. Ran 333 rush plays last year. Designed run plays. And in our projection, we upped it to 353. We we moved it up, said they were going to run the ball more. And when you take the rush attempts for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Damian Williams, DeAndre Washington, all that, plus you have to include the designed runs for Mahomes and the designed runs for their wide receivers who also run the ball. And we put a 4.3 yards per attempt on Damian Williams, which is close to his career average, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We put the best, rosiest case scenario on all of these backs, giving them the best numbers we possibly could. And even with the projected targets, which, oh, by the way, last year, throwing to the running backs, they threw the ball 20.7% of their total team targets. So you know what we gave them this year? We went out on a huge limb. We decided, hey, let's take a huge shot in the dark. And we gave them 20.7% of the targets <laughs> in the offense. And even with all of that, Edwards Hilaire projects at running back 24 and Damian Williams at running back 48. We're higher on them in the rankings than in our own projections. And it's still ludicrous. And it's still not enough for people. I'm still dealing with the CEH truthers out there, which I don't even understand how, again, simpler time, right? Before the draft, right. before the national championship game, he was like fifth on the, on the incoming rookie running back projections for the behind DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, you know, there's all these guys that, you know, all these guys that, that he's, that he's looking at, that you're looking at. And it's like, he's on the page. And then he goes to the Chiefs, and suddenly everybody just loses their mind, and they forget well, I mean, how that's, math works. Let's move on because 
we mentioned Darwin Thompson, flyer guy from last year. Same yep. with Daryl Williams, but they're not going to reach the field enough to be draftable or DeAndre no. Washington. No, that's all. The biggest thing is wide receiver. And this just, I think the reason that Mahomes comes in at QB one for everyone is because the projection is the Chiefs are going to put up 7,000 yards of offense this season. Because that seems to be the only math that would possibly make this all work. Because if you're telling me that Edwards Hilaire and Damian Williams can both be top 30 running backs in terms of rush and receiving yards, then that would have to mean it's coming from somewhere, right? Like, it, it, they wouldn't just magically appear out of thin air. But apparently they magically appear out of thin air. Because wide receiver four for Tyreek Hill in the expert consensus. 11 Every overall. Year. That's right. Every year. That's right. Wide receiver for 11 overall means they're telling you, go ahead and spend a first round pick on Tyreek Hill. Experts is in quotes on that. I don't think uh, I could eat the amount that that makes me want to vomit. If I run out of vomit, can I borrow some of yours? No, it's I'm mine. Like, okay, okay. Uh, it's it's probably not friendly for the current situation we're in as a society anyway for this. But it That's fair. There's no way. Yeah, the ADP, by the ever... way, second pick of the second round, sure. wide receiver four still. Why so not? So that just means the public is taking more running backs than the expert consensus would tell you, but they're still taking Tyreek Hill in that ridiculous range. I There's no way that I could justify spending a first or a high-end second pick on Tyreek Hill, who I know people want to always fight with me about the injuries and, you know, well, he wasn't injured the whole time. There was that thing where he kind of like got into, you know, a little bit of a fracas, I guess we'll call it, in the offseason, you know, about something that he may or may not have done. And it's like, yeah, sure. Let's just talk about when he's on the field, though. One of the most inconsistent players I've ever seen. No one is going to debate how fast he is. It's not yeah, debatable. That's not the he's, point. He's, this isn't a track race. I don't, wild, I don't care. wildly inconsistent because all of his, where he makes his hay is down the field. And even with the most accurate guy in the NFL throwing you the football in Mahomes, who can do things that no one else can do and put it in these tiny little windows, he still struggles to, to put up meaningful points. You're totally dining out with Tyreek Hill on these big plays that turn into touchdowns or a dump off that he manages to make a move on somebody and then break it 70 yards down the field. He's a threat to do it at any given time. And that's why people like it, but he's going to cost you some weeks where he gets a four. I just, I, it just my favorite, my, my absolute favorite is the same with Aaron Jones to just look at the graph that they provide for you with our guys on fantasy pros. When you just look at their numbers, their projected scores in the actual, and you see the steady line of projected across the middle. And then you just see the yo-yo roller coaster of he scored a 40, he scored a three, he scored a 28, he scored a two, he scored a 35, he scored a zero and missed the week. There you go. Like, the it argument really that people wanted to make last year was, oh, well, Tyreek Hill was wide receiver 13 in terms of points per game. First of all, if your argument is he should be top five because points per game, he was wide receiver 13. Check your math. Second of all, remember last year, Neil, I was called a hot take machine and I was just looking for clicks and I was just <laughs> saying as many hot takes to get people riled up because there's no way that Tyreek Hill finishes 24 or worse. It's not possible finished wide receiver 35 in total points you're welcome america and yeah. again people want to argue the points per game he had two or th what did he have three games i think last year with 30 or more points 
He did. And outside of that, he missed four games with injury, and he had another three games with under five. Yes. And so try to. So are the, unless you're telling me that in your system you don't count those weeks, Tyreek Hill was a bad investment last year. I don't care what he did in points per game. He was a terrible investment. And I have said all along, Tyreek Hill is a talented wide receiver. Tyreek Hill can do a lot of things and make you very good. And he is absolutely a legitimate top 10 second round pick in best ball. And if you are taking him in anything but best ball, it is a waste of a pick. Well, you're setting Period, yourself end up. Of story. You're setting yourself up for a lot of pain and a lot of frustration, especially as we point out every year. You cannot win your fantasy draft in the first two rounds, but you can absolutely lose it. Hundred percent. And betting on things like this to re to repeat, you know, just automatically is how you would do that. Because if he gets hurt again, or they're just inconsistent, or he or who knows, maybe he's lost, or if he's lost a step, you're going to be on the pain parade, and you're going to be looking to try and offload that by week three. And nobody's going to give you sticker price for what you paid for it. There's just no value here unless you're telling me that he's a lock top five wide receiver to be taken that high. And I just can't make that argument. It's not there. Also, well, you the mentioned only the reason grass. he would be there is to do it consistently. Right. And he exactly. can't do it consistently. And so you're telling me he's the equivalent of Devontae Adams. And it's like, no, no, Devontae Adams is, doesn't have the speed, but he's got far superior route running. And the other thing, you mentioned the graphs on Fantasy Pros. We didn't mention it last week about Corey Davis, but just as a note for you, you hardcore listeners, just go look that up and just have a chuckle. Just look up the Corey Davis fantasy pros graph no, and just enjoy, the, just enjoy the it. The thing for me here is the only argument that I that no one has actually come to me with that I would be willing to listen to is in this season because of the depth at running or at wide receiver that if I got Tyreek Hill as my wide receiver one, theoretically in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, I could get two or three guys to play at wide receiver on a weekly basis that are going to give me the consistent numbers I need so that if Tyreek Hill has a down week, my team isn't too terrible, but if he has a boom week, I have a guaranteed win. If you want to try to make that argument with me, then I guess I could understand it. But for me, I'd rather get the guys at the top of the draft that are guaranteed to give me those productive weeks. The Michael Thomases, the Devontae Adams, even the the DeAndre Hopkins, the Julio Jones, all those guys, I'd Eddie. rather have the consistent guys at the top than go for the boom guys later. Can you hear who it? Who maybe hear, could hit it? You said Julio Jones. Can you hear all the people screaming about how Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns in the background? Can you? Can you, just, <laughs> you just tilt your head, kind of like a seashell. You can hear it. It's, hey, it's, we're still uh, like three weeks away from listening to that, so I'm I'm good on moving on from that right there. Don't worry, the flames. The, uh, the one I'm interested in. This is ridiculous too. So Sammy Watkins. At wide receiver 58. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going it's to not happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, 68 on our site. 80 for both you and me. 51 in the consensus. That's a waste of a draft pick. What are you people doing? Sammy Watkins will be lucky to make this team. What I don't understand. So McCole Hardman is a guy that we like a lot. He's 57. So he's one spot ahead of Sammy Watkins in the expert consensus, which is hilarious. It 62 is. for me and you. Um, but McCole Hardman's a guy that absolutely, I think, could boom. Look, they're going to spread the, one, the ball around. That's the so. one that I'm much more interested in than, than Sammy Watkins, who's consistently proven that even on a team that with this crazy offensive ceiling can't per- put it down for you consistently. He had three touchdowns in week one, and everybody was like, Sammy Watkins is back! Disappears from the face of the earth. Just disappeared. And and now... To be fair, I was one of those people. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but at the same time, like Hardman, to me, is the one that's much more interesting in terms of 
him in year two, the upside that, that presents because he has got some Tyreek Hill in him. No one yeah, can debate that. Part of my that. argument last season was that McCole Hardman will cut into the Tyreek Hill touches, and it didn't happen at the beginning of the year. But when Hill was out, boy, did they feature McCole Hardman, and that just got more and more as the season went on. Also, Demarcus Robinson not dead, despite yes. what the ADP and expert consensus will tell you. Now we do have him ranked lower than expert consensus, right around a hundred, but. Demarcus Robinson has a role on this team. Byron Pringle's still there. Put up numbers for them. They got Kalijah Lipscomb in the draft. Like, they, they have guys who can do stuff besides Tyreek Hill. I find it hard to believe that Sammy Watkins will stick around at his price tag. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good taking a shot on Hardman because in the 10th round, I could get what could be the wide receiver one. Yeah, I said it. The wide receiver one on Kansas City in the 10th. Like, Tyreek Hill... In the first round makes no sense, and Sammy Watkins at any point in the draft is just ridiculous. Yeah, move on from Sammy Watkins, folks. And uh, and even if uh, Hardman doesn't hit the wide receiver one, you know, ultimate ceiling, you could still have the wide receiver two, well, three, not counting Kelsey. But still, you're in a situation where <laughs> there's still a ton of meat on that bone when you're talking about the 10th round of your fantasy draft. There's a ton of yeah, value for you Let's there. talk about their true wide receiver one, Travis Kelsey. There we go. Tight end one across the board. There's really nothing to discuss here. It's just a matter of when do you take the tight end, your own personal philosophy. He's going the eighth pick of the second round. I'm telling you, I don't like taking tight ends early, but I would rather have Travis Kelsey at the end of the second than Tyreek Hill at the beginning of it, and we will move on from there. Uh, Chiefs defense is the Chiefs defense. I, I think they got worse than last year. Expert consensus still has them top 10. I have them ranked 12, but I don't feel good about it. Again, I'd rather let somebody else take that. They just, they have not looked good in a while. No, and I'm not, I'm worried about them from a consistency standpoint, for sure. Yeah. So don't, don't worry about the Chiefs defense. Just move it along. The Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim are the next team up here on our list. Uh, they added some young talent on defense, along with getting Chris Harris away from the division rival. They might as well have just made a trade, right? I know. Trading Chris it, Harris for Melvin Gordon. It's so bad. It's so bad. The way that they just like uh, to stick it to each other in that division in those two great. games. It's so bad. Grab Chris Harris uh, to join that defense, which again, like we say every year in theory, if they're healthy, great. But that's Ten years always the theory, right? Ten years running. If they're uh, healthy, they should be great. They let Phil Rivers move on to Indy, as we talked about last week, and Melvin Gordon, as we talked about earlier in this show, leave over to Denver, and they replaced him with Justin Herbert and adding Joshua Kelly. So let's go there. The QB room. Justin Herbert, Tyrod Taylor is the assumed starter, came in uh, last season to be the backup. He was the backup all year long, learning the offense. Now it was supposed to be his job, and they get Herbert with the number six pick. So expert consensus, Tyrod 31, Herbert 36. Uh, we have it flipped the other way with Herbert slightly ahead, and I think that's just because of the upside, right? I think we have this as like a, a pretty comfortable split, 8-8 or 10-6, somewhere in it's, there. It's going to be one of those, and, and I don't think there's any real useful – you know, fantasy analysis in terms of the, the, these two players in and of themselves. These are just names to kind of keep in mind for the waiver wire throughout the season. <laughs> Herbert could have some value down the stretch, I think, when it becomes his job at some point, which we both believe is going to happen. So I'm interested in from that perspective. But for redraft, neither of these guys are anything that I'm worried about in terms of actually drafting. 
they're just names to know, and they and their their performance impacts the skill position guys. But that's really all that there is to discuss. Yeah, from here. a draft standpoint, it doesn't matter. I believe Tyrod Taylor does win the job and end up being the starter at the beginning of the year. Our debate in the offseason was always just, well, at what point does the change happen? And look, if the defense stays healthy, they run the ball well, and Tyrod Taylor is playing well enough for them to win games, and they're a competitive team looking for that new seventh wildcard spot, uh, you've got a, a real case for Justin Herbert to just redshirt. Yes. And it just beats Tyrod Taylor's job all season. But at the same time, if they've been in a, clo- a couple of close games and Tyrod has a fumble or throws a pick, yes, and you're six weeks in and you're a two and four football team, they could absolutely put in Justin Herbert and say, "Let's see what the kids got. It can't be worse than what we've got." And we also know that the fan base gets very antsy when these things happen. They no. want to see their new, yeah, right? They want to see their new young guy. And the organizations historically cave when this happens. And also, we always view this through the lens of what's most likely to happen. We've seen quite a bit of Tyrod Taylor. Looks good some of the time. Looks woefully bad. Other other period. There's very little in the way of like consistency here. We've seen him get beaten out for a couple different jobs throughout his career. So I don't really see, I don't feel super confident that, that this just won't be another repeat of that kind of workflow here for him, unfortunately. Moving on to running back, Austin Eckler got a big contract in the offseason to be the guy. Expert consensus is running back nine. That is rich for my blood. Running back 12 in our site, 11 for you, 14 for me, and 12 in the ADP. Look, for me, Austin Eckler is a fantastic wide receiver that happens to be playing out of position. But do I want him as a running back? Even in PPR, not really. I don't want to count on him as my week in and week out guy. He just, he's the prototype for just gets destroyed at some point. Yes. Yes. He also will shout out Aiden Ware, who's been doing a huge deep dive on Austin Eckler in the background, trying to figure out exactly. And his analysis to us in the background was, you know, one of the most lucky individuals I've ever seen in terms of people missing assignments. And he makes you pay because as we know, when you get him in space, He's pretty deadly, so you have to kind of contain him, and it's it's hard to do. But to your point, I don't want to say brittle, but he's such a small guy that when he takes some of these these licks that he's going to get asked to take, if he doesn't make that cut to make that guy miss, he gets destroyed. And a couple of those could really put a damper on on the upside that he could bring for you. So for me, and for you, nine is right out. That's too yeah. high. Can't go there with you. So kudos, America. RB12. That feels about right, guys, ladies and gentlemen. That that feels about right. I, I, it's, that's that's kind of the neighborhood, I think. It's well, a little rich for it? you still, but it's a little rich for you, I know. But it's well, better it's than RB, what the experts it, well, tell you. Well, it's RB twelve, but again, that's sixteen overall because it it's is. the fourth pick of the second round. So for, even for you, even though that's you've got him RB eleven, and the public has him RB twelve, that's still six spots in overall higher. That's you. correct. And for That's me, correct. I have him at the fourth pick of the third round. Because at that point, he's either my second running back or I have two great wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, And at yeah, that I'm point, I'm just going it. all speed and I'm willing to live with it. And that's fair. But Josh it's Kelly is the guy that we, we talk about and we want. Josh Kelly, expert oh, yeah. consensus, running back 66, 62 on our site, 55 for me, 58 for you. He's going to get his. I still think it's... It's hard for me to imagine. I understand they need the depth, but I don't even know if Justin Jackson makes the team. Like we we uh, saw enough of him last uh, year to know that he's just not that great. 
what we talked so, about in the offseason at length is this, you know, it's kind of like what we said about Deshaun Hamilton when they got through the draft. It's like, rip. Sorry. Like, you you might not even make this team. That's a real. Yeah. So it's just, no, J- Justin Jackson is not something that, I mean, again, you and I both have him at RB 70. 70. Whereas the experts would say, you know, mid 50s. And America is telling well, again, you RB 51. Yeah, the, the experts have him at 55 and he's being drafted where we believe Josh Kelly should be. We're yeah. that much higher than everyone else on Josh Kelly. Because, again, I think he's the clear-cut number two. I think he's the goal back, which is part of what scares me with Eckler, is that, yes, even when Melvin Gordon came back last, last year, Eckler was still the guy. But how much of that was really just the Chargers sticking it to Melvin Gordon? Honestly. Oh, a good chunk. There's that definitely it's just, some of that. Oh, hey, you want to hold out the first half of the year? Here you go. You can come back. You can be the backup to Austin Eckler because he's earned the starting job. How much of it was that? And then we'll pay because him it, in the offseason. Yeah, because it lo- the carries basically worked out that way. That they, they split the carries, but it was the fact that Eckler was getting used in the passing game where Gordon really wasn't. And Phil Rivers, they were tracing, they're chasing points the whole time. He was constantly checking down. If the defense is better... And they don't check down as much. So they're running the ball more. If they're just pure runs, I'm looking more at Kelly than Austin Eckler. I'm looking at Eckler as the change of pace back, or not the change of pace, but the up pace back. The the third down guy, the pass catcher, who's going to be involved in the passing game, but not as much the running game as I think everybody else does. And it's totally fair. So that's that really does kind of sum up the the Chargers running back room. The advice is... Don't listen to the experts on Eckler. They've got it too high. Don't listen to the ADPs. It's also too high for me and for you and really for the site. Just don't don't go there. It's, there's not enough meat. And they've got the rankings for Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson flipped. So you want to go ahead and look at Kelly, especially when you know we kind of layer on as a final thought. Free. Not being totally drafted. Free. Totally free. And Justin Jackson looked like he was toast at the end of last year anyway. He couldn't have, he didn't have any burst left, so I don't know what's going to change to make me feel differently about that. Very little. Well, I don't know. Austin Eckler hasn't had burst ever, but he's still pretty highly rated, so who knows? <laughs> uh, Keenan Allen is wide receiver six last year, uh, as we mentioned on last week's episode. So, uh, wide receiver 19 in the expert consensus, wide receiver 23 for the site, 28 for me, 25 for you, and 22 for ADP. So kind of all over the place in the middle there. But I think the biggest question for me and for everybody else here is, you know, who's the quarterback and how is that going to impact him? Because he doesn't have his BFF anymore. Correct. And also just the other little thing about Keenan Allen. I hate to use injury prone, but he certainly would qualify if there was anyone who did qualify for that type of thing. He he has a tendency to get beat up at a rate that's kind of outside of the normal. And it's and it's a lot of weird stuff that goes on with him that's like soft tissue related and various other things. Hard to trust a, a guy with those kind of maladies when you're talking about lost his incumbent quarterback that he's had success with throughout his career and now is going to be dealing with a less accurate Tyrod Taylor and the rookie in Herbert who I frankly don't even know. I don't think anyone could realistically tell you what that's going to look like in reality. We're a little, we're pretty far away from it. So, you know, Allen, Allen is a guy I'm kind of looking to if if he falls really far in the draft, great. But I'm certainly not paying anything close to sticker price to Keenan Allen. I think you're paying for the name on that one. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I don't know if I would go 
as far to say injury prone. He definitely has had some issues in the past. Last year, he had three different injuries that had him on the injury report, but only two of them, uh, two of them were in the preseason. Only one of them was in the regular season. Um, but it's been hamstrings, you know, knee sprains, for the, life, I mean, for the life of the career. It's not one season. It's the life of his career. He's had all sorts of. Yeah, he's popped up here and there on different things. And for the most part, it's been like the weird kidney laceration and then the ACL tear, which neither one of those is like a repetitive thing. So no, 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 I I wouldn't necessarily say that Keenan Allen is injury prone. I would say that given his role in the offense, if there's anybody I'm scared about it's well, it's Hunter Henry. But other than that, it would be Keenan (laughs) Allen. Well, yeah, well, we'll get there. Hunter Henry second. You got to actually you got to give up. You have Mike Williams. Who you want to talk about injury repone? Yeah, yeah. Mike Williams just cannot stay on the field. Uh, you've got Andre Patton, Joe Reed, and then KJ Hill, who was a seventh round pick. Uh, according to PFF's big board, KJ Hill was a top 10 wide receiver from this draft class. He went in the seventh round for the Chargers. So that's a big upside guy. For a lot of uh, outlets, but- he was the steal of the draft. Because yeah, of the I mean, value that so he was for the me, steal. He's worth taking a flyer on, I think, either with your 16th round pick, if you go early on defense or kicker like you shouldn't, or you know, if you want to grab him off waivers maybe in the first week or two. He has to adjust to the offense, obviously, but if you're looking for a lottery ticket, he could absolutely find his way into being the number two guy on this team when you've got guys like, again, Mike Williams, who's going 40, it's funny, 47 yeah. in the expert consensus, but 64. 60 in the ADP America has burned one too yep. many times on Mike Williams. Well, it's They're, so bad. Uh, it's so yeah. bad. You remember last year that one, I believe it was week five or six where all week he was supposed to not even play. And then like the day before they said he had cleared and he was going to actually play, but he was going to be on one leg out there basically. And he wasn't gonna be able to yeah, run. And he's making he's out there one hand extension. And I think at that point, I think myself and a lot of other people were like, you know what, Mike Williams, I'm out. I'm out. I don't even That's know what, this, what to do here anymore. Like I'm done. But if you just think about KJ Hill, look at those other names to your point. What else is here besides Keenan Allen that you have any measure of confidence in really? So KJ Hill for free at the end of your draft or uh, off waiver wires first or second week, I, he's got a real chance to carve out a real starting role for himself uh, on this team. It's not going to take a whole lot for him to be able to kind of like get himself on the field if he can just grip the playbook yeah and again the discussion i was having with someone the other day about keenan allen was just the fact that you know like i said the last year he was you know wide receiver six and that's great and they threw from behind a lot and they had philip rivers throwing him the ball and the consistency of just force feeding him the ball everyone else was hurt mike williams wasn't there hunter henry missed most of the season uh, Gordon sat out the first half of the year, and then it was Austin Eckler. So really, it was just those two guys. Who else were they going to throw the ball to? Now, they haven't done a ton in the offseason to give other options, but they lost Rivers. I feel like they're going to run the ball more, be more conservative on their offense, because that's the quarterbacks that they have right now. And it's just, for me, I have him ranked at PPR wide receiver 28. That's not because I think that Keenan Allen is going to finish at wide receiver 28. That's not because I think in terms of talent, Keenan Allen is the 28th best wide receiver in the league. That's because there are 27 guys on the board that I'm more confident in taking, more confident in knowing what their role is, and I want them on my team than Keenan Allen. That's what that is. And based on the ADP and what everything is right now, it just 
looks like I won't own Keenan Allen anywhere, and I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll say I'll that. live with that, and I'll wrap my arms even tighter around the sudden. Uh, Hunter Henry, tight end eight in the consensus, tight end six on our site. Well, these guys loved. These guys love Hunter they Henry. They love Hunter Henry. Tight love, end eight love, for love. you and me, and tight end ten for the public in ADP. So, again, yep. scared of them injuries. Injuries. Can't, it's gotta can't blame them either. Can't, no. Can't even no. blame them. No, but he's right. He's great. It's your greatest ability is your availability. And that's yep. the test Hunter Henry has kind of failed to this point throughout his career. When he's out there, though, oh boy, super talented. But also, I worry about him a little bit. And that's kind of a misnomer when you got him at eight, right? But what I would tell you is the, the one reason, you know, you'd want to talk to him about maybe if you had more confidence, like six would make a certain amount of sense, like the consensus for the site. I get that. The only thing I can't deal with, though, is that it's the injuries and we already talked about it, the quarterback change and some of the inconsistencies and wonkiness that that's going to bring. You would think that it should favor him, considering they usually like to use a safety blanket, Tyrod historically, and rookies with their tight end. But uh, the injuries on top of that make that a little hard to swallow. Would you not agree? Yep. Like it's it's a little yeah, tough. Especially for the other guys that. going in that range. Yep. So yeah. You're telling me he's, it's the same argument. He's not the eighth, you know, best tight end per se. It's just there's eight guys that have better opportunities and less markers against them. So that's that's how you end up there. And then there's nobody else for the Chargers for me. Uh, and then I guess the only thing is, you know, America loves that Chargers defense. Well, I mean, they have the pieces. And again, we've said for years, if they're healthy, it's hard to argue. But sure. Totally. Yeah. Defense 13 in the expert consensus. They are number one for standard deviation amongst all defenses going in a in a range of three rounds. So you're talking about. (laughs) high end or a back end of the 12th to all the way off the page in the like 19th round of certain drafts. So yeah, I mean, they are all over the place on where to rank the defense eight on our site, 13 for me, 10 for you again, same deal all over the place, uh, seventh in ADP. And then they are number five among defenses for ADP standard deviation of a full round anywhere between the 11th and the 13th. Like I said, it's the it's the promise of if they stay healthy with Derwin James and Chris Harris and Bosa and all of those pieces that they have, they can get the sacks, they can get the turnovers, they can hold teams under the yardage thresholds that make them worth the draft pick. But can they stay healthy? That, that's well, that's and it's the funny, difficult question. We don't we don't rank training staffs, right? But I can tell you right now, if we did, I'd have them Ooh, at thirty second. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. 30, 31 for me. 31. Washington. The the Washington yeah. racial slurs. The the fighting DC Riveras. Uh they they to me I think would still have the worst training staff. So I'd have to give them 31 in my power rankings of training staffs. But I could see 32. Look, I'm not arguing with you about much. It's one spot. Yeah, given recent history, I'd yeah. say 32. But still, yeah, fair but enough. It's, it's 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 the bottom of the page as far as training staffs. And you don't we don't know anybody who's a bigger Charger fan and supporter than Shout out to that FF nerd, Jason Draven. Even he would agree like, oh, no, 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 no. That's a bad training staff and it's cost him some stuff. But that's always the rub here when we're talking about the Chargers until they can fix that. Oh, but my they, hamstring. It's such a cheaply run team under Spanos that you're never going to fix that problem. But we no. should dovetail off that and move on to the other team. All right, we're on to Vegas. Finally. Professionally. Finally. Outside had- of hockey, because that doesn't really count. <laughs> so finally, professional team and oh, also sorry, WNBA that doesn't count either. But also, 
we got the NFL in Vegas. Made a lot of changes on defense, basically turned over the whole thing, and why wouldn't you? I mean, that was rough last year. That was pretty brutal. Mike uh, made a lot of trash in his own defense at one point. <laughs> they, openly. they made trades. They signed people in free agency. They made a ton of draft picks all through the uh, the offseason. Uh, but again, they, they had to. Last year, in terms of fantasy points allowed, fourth most for quarterbacks, 11th for running backs, eighth for wide receivers, second for tight ends. If you saw the Raiders on the list for your team that week, woo, boy, you, were you excited. That was a great matchup for you. But hopefully they can change that. We'll see if it actually does happen. Uh, they didn't really add anybody in the offseason in free agency other than uh, Marcus Mariota, Jason woo! Witten. How about that one? And again, I saw this when we were going through and putting the sheet together today, but I almost forgot they still had Nelson Aguilar. Remember that? Remember Nelson Aguilar? Oh, oh the uh, times we had. Oh, boy. Uh, simpler time, Steve. The untapped potential of Nelson simpler, Aguilar. Simpler time. Some might say call- the Carlos Hyde of wide receivers. Well, or as I call him, his official nickname for me, Doink. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's his nickname. I'm sure he wouldn't like that, but that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, why would you? Also, they got a couple decent draft picks we'll talk about here in a second. But let's go through it. It's the Derek Carr show still. Not much to talk about fantasy-wise here, right? Not I mean, 28 sh- in the show, ECR. Guys. Yeah, 28 in our site, 27 me, 28 you. I don't know why I love him so much. I'll change oh, that. Oh, yeah. Worry. Well, don't worry. America hates it because he's going undrafted. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> but let's talk about the real show here. Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Running back 12 in the expert consensus. Eight on our site. Seven for me. Ten for you. Eleven in the ADP. Um, he's going right around there with standard deviation as well. So not much change. Josh Jacobs to me is the truth. And again, what, what did it for me last year is I've got him at RB seven, nine overall. And you look at the numbers he put up. He was a back end RB one high end RB two through PPR when he didn't catch the ball and wasn't involved in the passing game. And I was like, all right, well, this is like Derrick Henry, but. He's not as strong. He's not as physical. That's fine. And then we find out that in week four, <laughs> he he basically shattered his shoulder and was playing with a shoulder injury the entire season like some ridiculous, crazy Iron Man, and he still put up those numbers. So now he had the offseason surgery. He comes in 100% healthy, and I just think he's going to tear through the league there's a legitimate chance uh, we're going to talk about it with our, uh, our our betting guys on the sports betting side of the site, but legitimate shot to me that Josh Jacobs finishes the year as the rushing leader. There is a legitimate shot there. He won't. He certainly is not going to be, you know, ever a contender for you know the target leader or the reception leader out of the running back position, though. So that is that is the one concern. But even so, it's it's even in PPR is what this is for. Because there's no debate in standard and even in half point to the moon. Josh Jacobs to the moon, and it's just just set it in stone, draft it, love your life. PPR, even with the couple of guys that'll leapfrog him, there's very little to worry about here. And he just, to your point, go go shatter your shoulder and then just try and move your arm. <laughs> realized that this guy was initiating contact with his broken shoulder for 
12 football games where he was still averaging over 20 touches a game in an offense that, because it's Gruden, loves to feature, you know, a dominant back like that. The system works in his favor. The team is, I don't want to say devoid of talent in other positions, but pantry's still pretty scarce, guys. He, he, they're going to force feed him the football. And given what we saw from him last year, to your point, there is absolutely a non-zero chance that he could finish as not only a top 10 running back, there's an outside chance he could be the top five running back. And there's an, also an outside chance he could be the rushing leader. You just don't see there aren't that, that that list of guys that have that potential is not. Very- yeah, I mean, to uh, ju- just to put a, a bow on it, it was week seven last year officially when they made the announcement. He said he'd been playing with it since about week four, but he fractured his shoulder and he officially missed three games last year. And Josh Jacobs, even missing those three games, finished the season in terms of total points as running back 21 uh, for the season with three games out. So he was uh, running back was at 12 in terms of points per game. Again, with a fractured freaking shoulder and no pass catching. Right. So it's unbelievable. Uh, to have a full season of him, I think he, this guy. We're oof. all in agreement. He's a monster. Oof. Yeah, and he's going to be fun to watch for the There's next There's some interesting years. guys. We did mention, like I said, a bunch, the, uh, the non-pass catching. So someone has to do it. Jalen Richard seems to be the guy who will do it again. Expert consensus is 68, but 58 for our site, 56 for me, and 55 for you. Someone has to do that job, and it's the Raiders, so they're going to trail a lot. So someone has to get that role. Oh, and he's been but, baseline competent for most of his career, yeah. so I see no reason why he couldn't return value on that. It's not going to be pretty, but And it, then you've it's got rookie Lin Bowden Jr., who's super interesting because <laughs> no he, one knows uh, he's in everything, yeah. right? He played no quarterback that. in college. But he went to the combine as a running back wide receiver, and he got drafted and is listed as a running back on the depth chart, but he's a pass catcher, he can throw the ball, he's a gadget player that you can just do so many things with. I'm excited to see what they do with him in uh, L- or Las Vegas. I mean, it, it, for me, it's like everybody wants to make the Jalen Hurts comparison to Taysom Hill, but for me, if you're looking for a Taysom Hill, it's Lynn Bowden. If you're looking for that kind of gadget, do-everything player, he has the hands, he's got the rush ability, and he can throw the ball really well, too. I was surprised that he decided not to go in as a late-round quarterback, but he thought it would help his draft stock if he went in as a pass catcher instead. To that point, for those who watch college football, I mean, he made Kentucky relevant. And feel free to go just look up the last time Kentucky was relevant or had any kind of team. It's been three decades before last year, roughly something like that. It's been, it's been brutal in Kentucky and he, he managed to come in, take that job over at quarterback. So no, I love the Taysom Hill comp because he's one of those rare guys that's going to play every skill position that isn't tight end. He's going to line up. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up on the outside. I'm sure at some point he's going to line up at running back and he's going to take some snaps out of quarterback. Plus they're going to have some wildcat stuff for him. And I think they're just going to throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall and see what he does well and what sticks. And for a guy that you could have for literal nothing off the waiver wire, very interesting gadget kind of thing right there. Yeah. Very I mean, interesting. For me, he's, I've got him running back 65 in a 12 team, 16 round draft. There's 192 picks and I've got him at 198 overall. I've got him just outside of draftable territory. 
100% okay if you want to take him at the end of the draft as a flyer. Because like I said, he could he, he could easily find himself taking over that role from Richard as the pass catching back and having fantasy value in a flex on a week-to-week basis. Well, and that's, and that and if they also... find a way, like again, the Taysom Hill comp, to find a way to get him on the field, I mean, if he doesn't guy take could the whole, be the limit. Yeah, if he doesn't take the whole Richard job and he only got half of it or three quarters of it, but he also managed to steal, you know, enough of the, somebody's receiver job. Suddenly, you're talking about like like to your point, you're talking about a guy who would qualify for a flex, particularly when we get into buys. Yeah, and we'll, I mean, we'll talk about it later in the season, I'm sure. But yeah, it's certainly a name to know, if nothing else. Uh, their number one pick, because, of course, Raiders, all the wide receivers in the draft fell to him, Neil. And of everybody they could possibly have, who do they take? The fast guy. That's right. The ghost of Al Davis smiles down upon you. Oh, the ghost of Al Davis still runs that team. Just win, baby. Just win. Neil, why don't you remind everybody of your uh, Raiders draft stat that we had on our draft podcast for those that may have missed it back in May. Yeah, it's crazy. When I Al Davis had a penchant, shall we say, for taking the uh, the fastest guy available. Over the history of the NFL, the Raiders have taken the fastest guy in the draft effectively 66% of the time is what the math actually checks out to be. 66% of the time, the Raiders take the guy with the fastest. So the rest of the NFL... Yeah, 33% of the time it works every time. Exactly. And so never mind that Lewis Murphy was always hurt. He was he called like all these guys were so dare you say we're bay. There's so many examples of this. The Raiders love to take the fastest guy with the fastest 40 time in the draft, whether it's a corner or a receiver, usually a receiver. How does that work out for you historically? But that is the philosophy of the Raiders, but it's hysterical to think that it's that overblown. Through the history of the draft era, 66% of the time, the Raiders take the fastest guy with the fastest 40 time. Rest of the NFL, 33%. That is, it, it, it shouldn't even be possible to get to that point. And yet here we are. So yep, go Raiders. Here we are again. So Go Raiders. Henry We're going to do it again. So he is wide receiver 53 in the expert consensus, 53 on our site. 59 for me and 58 for you, but 44 in the ADP, of course. Shiny new toy. God. It is what it is. He's going to look the, so the, good in that silver be, helmet to, running down the field with his arm up. Like, to be that's fair, again, last year Tyrell Williams had a shot at being a decent fantasy relevant guy and got hurt and then was in and out of the lineup, and it just didn't work out. So he had some value at some point, but I think he's effectively lost his job. They signed Nelson Aguilar. They also drafted uh, Brian Edwards, who is an upside guy that we really love for Dynasty, not so much yes. for redraft. But he absolutely is a great outside guy to go with rugs. And then, of course, you've got Renfro in the slot. 64 in the expert consensus. Not even going to mention Zay Jones, huh? No. I'm not. <laughs> 62 in uh, right, right, the right site. Myself. 52 for me and 52 or 51 for you. So, I mean, Hunter Renfro is an interesting guy. Again, he's going to get a lot of volume. He's going to get a lot of the, the check down work. Like he was getting last year, he will more than likely have a clear path to leading the team in targets uh, in our projection. He has 85 with Darren Waller with 88. So, I mean, it's right there. So, uh, again, it's the checkdowns. It's the low throwing. Derek Carr, not a deep throw guy. 
It isn't that he hasn't had the weapons, which is apparently what the Raiders seem to think by their draft Uh, picks. It's It's just that he can't do it. So yes, and then they and then they added Mariota to back him up. So same problem, except even more inaccurate than Derek Carr, as we learned from the PFF annual every year that Market Mariota is not accurate, and especially it's weird because he's accurate at certain things, but wildly inaccurate at other things that we would say are pretty much basic to play the NFL position of quarterback. For me, I can break down the whole Raiders. You want Josh Jacobs? I love the idea that I could have Hunter Renfro nothing, given where his ADP is, which is literally undrafted. So if you're telling me that I could have Hunter Renfro either at the end of my draft as my last pick, or if I could have him, you know, for free off the waiver wire, effectively, sign me up for that. I'm weighing on that. Henry Ruggs is going way too high ADP for my liking. And Tyrell Williams is also going too high for me, for my liking, because he's being drafted even higher than the ECR would have him all the way up to 66. being drafted at all, which is too Yeah, and that's kind of a problem. So for me, Hunter Renfro is the only receiver I want. Josh Jacobs is really the only only thing you can count on out of that running back room. Don't really want either quarterback. And then that pretty much means there's one other guy that we need to talk about. And we'll be happy to talk to you about Brian Edwards in 2021, unless you want to talk to us about that. Do we even need to talk about Darren Waller, though? Because he's number five everywhere. (laughs) Right. On our site, an expert consensus for all of us in ADP. He's the number five guy just across the board. We talked about the big four. The big three for sure is uh, Kelsey, Kittle, and Andrews. Ertz has slipped into that four spot. In kind of the tier all by himself. And then the number five spot is Darren Waller. And I don't think there's much discussion. I've seen some foolish people put Evan Ingram there. Good luck with that. The four games he plays. Yeah. Uh, Points per game, maybe. Points per game. Points per game. Yeah. Make that argument. Sure. But not for the season. No, no, no. no. Stay away from that. So really, there's like three guys that I'd actually be interested in. Jacobs, Renfro, and Waller at where they're currently being drafted. And if you want to take a flyer on Lynn Bowden at the end of your draft, go nuts. Uh, but the rest of it, I'm not really interested in. And yes, they they signed podcast favorite Stumpy. Stumpy. And we love Stumpy. But his whole job is going to be to do what he's been doing for the Cowboys for the last couple of years. And Derek Carr might throw him the ball some, but it's not going to be enough to matter for fantasy purposes. He's going to run forward, take two steps, cut left or right, catch the ball and fall down. That's all he does anymore. He's there to block. He's ever done. That's all he does. Well, there was a time when he could run, but I was a young man. Okay, fine. For two years. Yeah. Again, what? We were what? 21, 22. So old Jason witness, guys. Like, this is not a new thing. It's not going to, he's not suddenly going to learn how to run harder or faster. It's it's not going to get better. So, and I'm not worried about him cutting into Darren Waller, as you can see. And I know at one point people were concerned about that, but it's not coming through in the numbers. So it's, I think that's good. I think that's smart. Yeah, that was early narrative, but I think that's changed, and rightfully so. It's just... Yep. Uh, they also thought Foster Moreau would cut into it, too. So yeah, they were just looking yeah, for an excuse yeah. for Darren Waller to no longer be a thing. But the only yeah, excuse to tell, to tell you that the only reason that Darren Waller won't be Darren Waller, you know, quote-unquote Darren Waller this year, is because we all know that Jonu Smith is Darren Waller. We, we've established <laughs> that. <laughs> Got to get that Jonu jersey. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. For the season. Wait, didn't you have Janu at seven and you have Darren Waller at... <laughs> at I still am at five. I'm all just right, saying. All right. I'm just saying. You, yeah. Okay. But I get Now you have to pay for it. I get your And now greater. that I have to yeah. pay for it, I I'm don't I'm less want interested it. in having to pay for it. No, I totally understand. I just thought I'd clarify that for the listening audience, lest they think that you had Janu over Darren Waller. That's not what we're saying here. But no, yeah, no, no, no. don't, don't want to pay. Not, not until 2021. 
but also, <laughs> well, also none of us, you and I, and most of our website, there's a few odd ducks, but most of us agree wait on tight end. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to pay up for one of these big name tight ends. I will let someone else deal with that while I load up on running back and wide receiver. That's usually our philosophy. And then we can argue amongst ourselves about what the split on that looks like between running back and wide receiver. That's usually the we're having. So no, it's Raiders is pretty straightforward. I'd argue there's about three guys that you can count on. There's a couple lottery tickets and the rest of it is doo-doo. By the way, just throwing it out there from our projections on importantnonsense.com, the difference between Darren Waller and Jonu Smith, nine points. Just saying. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Well, and that's what I'm saying. saying. The other point is you would take, you know, Jonu higher to make sure you could get him. But if you're playing in leagues where people don't see it that way, the way that, that we're telling you to see it, which is pretty common. Yeah, but like given where the, you could have Jonu Smith in the 12th round for some yeah, of these Reach on Jonu Smith is the 12th round. Reach yeah, yeah, on Darren yeah. Waller is the fourth. Right. One of these uh, things is not like the other. Totally different I don't think it's worth problems. that nine points. No, it isn't. But yeah, and then Raiders defense isn't worth mentioning. So we'll, nope. that wraps up the AFC West, Neil. Next week, we're moving on to the NFC. Finally into the NFC. And we got, oh boy, we got the North. Facial on the floor. Total facial. Covers. Oh, we had a lot to talk about. The AFC, we had a lot the to AFC talk about. South is always our most contentious show where we kind of like usually don't see it eye to eye and kind of bicker amongst ourselves and with just the industry and with the folks on the internet. A lot of bickering happens there. See, the, the, this show that we're about to do is the saltiest show that we do <laughs> By far, the, the only people that have more salt than us on the, on, on the next show coming up after this one is Horton's Salt. That's it. it that's the only people. It, it's them and maybe the Campbell Soup folks. It's the saltiest thing possible. So look forward to that as as the bitter Bears fans have to break down the division. I'm, I'm making myself sad just thinking about it. I don't want to talk about Nick Foles, Steve. Can we just skip that part? Can we just? All right. Well, we'll deal with that next week. Neil, where <laughs> can they find you on the social media? As always, that you can find me at nonsense underscore Neil, uh, primarily on Twitter and the Fantasy Life app. Check us out uh, with the trade column that we do uh, starting up. It's already out now. The inaugural one. We'll have another one at the end of this month. And then it's the trade value chart with me and my man, Wes Smith, no relation, uh, bringing you all the things that you'll need to know about how to win your <laughs> trades. Uh, hashtag no relation. Hashtag no relation. And uh, we'll have another one of those, like I said, at the end of the month. And then it goes weekly uh, at the start of the season. And we will be doing Wednesdays on the Fantasy Life app for Q&A. So we're going to be doing that together this year as opposed to just me. So stop on by if you have any questions or if you don't, if you, if you want to reach out to us that way, we will be available particularly on Wednesdays to answer all of your questions and to pump shamelessly promote the trade value table that we work so hard to create and edit every week. So make sure you follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. Of course, importantnonsense.com. You can follow us on the Important Nonsense community that Neil just mentioned on the Fantasy Life app. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. And as always, follow me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. Until next week, just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!